Anybody watch the news lately? At all? Anybody? If you've been watching, uh, you're probably aware that there's been some, uh, just some major disasters that have happened recently. Just to talk about two of them, uh, if you don't know, uh, May 2nd and 3rd, there was a, a cyclone that, that hit Burma, uh, now called Myanmar. Um, and and as I, when I looked on um, Friday, it was 43,000 people con- confirmed dead. I, I saw yesterday they doubled that, um, that it was up to over 80,000. The uh, UN is, is saying that it's probably going to be well over 100,000 people. Red Cross is saying 128,000. It's just a huge, I don't know if you've seen pictures from it, just amazing. I mean, just, uh, they have satellite pictures of this this land, and, and, and then right afterwards, just destruction. And just, it's painful, and, and, and you think about just what's going on in the lives of the people there. And then in this past um, Monday uh, in, in China, they had the earthquake, a uh, 7.9 earthquake in China. And uh, when I checked on Friday, the death toll then was over 20,000 people. They're estimating it's going to be 50,000 people dead. And, uh, and then and on top of all that, I mean, there's, there's just the statistics of those that have died. Um, they're saying that in, in Myanmar, there's 1.5 to 2.5 million people that are in desperate need of food, clothing, uh, shelter, uh, just needs and medicines and, and all of that. And so you've got 1.5 to 2.5 million people uh, who are just desperate, who don't have things to take care of their their daily needs. And, and, uh, and you just think about that. And that's on top of, uh, you, you probably didn't even hear because it didn't even make the news. Uh, the same week, three days back to back of the of the cyclone in Myanmar was a, a volcano eruption in Chile uh, and, and then a, a, a 6.9 earthquake off of the coast of Tokyo uh, within three days. And then this next Monday, within you know four days later, um, is, is the earthquake in China. It just, it's just amazing. I mean, you think of the disasters, the destruction. It just happened in a week and a half time. And, and, and what do we do as the church? I mean, as the church, how do you respond to that? How, what does the church do when you see this devastation? Do we, do we just look at it and we say, it's millions of people. I mean, what, how can we just throw up our arms and say, it's millions of people. What can we do to help? Or what, how can we... There's nothing we can do. And in fact, in Myanmar, literally, there's nothing we can do. You can't get in. You can't, they're not letting people in. And so what do you do when it comes to things like this in the world as the church, the church being the representation of the glory of God to the world, the picture of that to the world? And so what does the church do to respond to disaster? How does the church respond to disaster? We're going to look in Acts this morning, and uh, we're going to look at some other passages too today, but I want to talk about that today. Uh, how does the church, how should the church respond to disaster, to things like this happening? So turn the Bible to uh, Acts chapter 11. We're going to look at a couple verses there. Acts chapter 11, starting with verse 27. It says, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about the church in Antioch. It was the 
birth of the church in Antioch. These, these believers go and, and they preach the gospel to uh, Greek-speaking people in Antioch. And it says the hand of the Lord was on them and the church is, is, is not just developed, but grown big time. Um, the hand of the Lord is on them and many people believe. And this church in Antioch is started. And, and it says that at the end of the passage we talked about two weeks ago, that it was in Antioch that, that the followers of Jesus were first called Christians. And so here we have this church. It's a new church. It's a young church. And that's where we pick it up in verse 27. It says, in these days, prophets come down from Jerusalem. So this group of prophets comes to this church in Antioch. And one of them, whose name is Agabus, uh, stands up and he tells them that there's going to be this great famine over all the world. The Holy Spirit moves this guy, Agabus, to say there's going to be this famine over over all the world. And if you notice in, in, uh, in the passage there in verse 28 at the end, it says this took place in the days of Claudius. That's important because we can now, at, in, in, in uh, 2008, we can look back and say, okay, when was Claudius there? If you look in, in the history books and find out when Claudius was reigning, it was AD 41 through 54. And around AD 45 to 46, um, it's attested to that in Israel there was a great famine at that time, which is what this is referring to. And so this famine is, is prophesied about. Now they have, in, in, in Acts 11 here, they have the beauty of finding out ahead of time, right? These people come in and they say, this is what's going to happen. Uh, no one did that as far as we know about Myanmar. No one did that about China. But at the same idea, here's this disaster that happens. Famine is disaster, right? We classify it as that. Not a good thing. It's, 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 it's a massive drought and starvation happens. So here's this disaster that happens um, and is prophesied about. And what we want to know is how did the church respond? What did the church do? What, what it would, especially here. Here's Antioch. It's a new church. I mean, if anybody's got an excuse, you know, we're just a baby church. We, we don't know what to do yet when circumstances like this come up. We don't know how to respond. And so thank you for telling us we will pray. And then that's it. But here's this church, Antioch, and it says that when the, when the prophets come and tell them there's going to be this great famine over all the world, it says in verse 29, So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas. And so we're going to look at seven different things and just one of them from this passage. Seven things that I think the church should do, the church in general should do to respond to disaster. And this is the first one. You look at this young church, new believers, and already the Holy Spirit being inside of them and producing in them a love that comes from Christ. Their response is, we need to help. We're little, we're just a small church, but what we can do, we're going to do. And so the wording of it says this, so the disciples determine everyone according to his ability. As much as they were able, however they were able individually, they gave and sent relief to the brothers. And so they, this church is a beautiful picture. This church, they hear this, this, this prophecy about this famine taking place, and they say, we've got to do something. We've got to help our brothers in Judea. We've got to help our, 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 our loved ones that we don't even know uh, in Judea that, that are followers of Christ in Judea, and we've got to send relief to them. And so they give, and they give it to the elders in Jerusalem so that it can be distributed as needed. The beautiful picture. 
beautiful picture. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is, is how should the church respond to disaster? They give as they're able. And when you hear of things like that, and, 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 and on top of all this, by the way, I mean, here's just around the world. But last weekend, uh, we were removed from it. We're down in Tennessee. But I heard there was like 60-some tornadoes in the, in the Midwest last weekend. Um, that's destruction. And, and, and so how do you respond to all that? I think the first way the church responds is, is they give as they're able. However they're able to give, they give, and they, and, they, and they do what they can for the body of Christ. We're going through a study in, uh, in our life groups right now called the Treasure Principle. We talked about this verse in our life group uh, this past week, Matthew 10, 42. Jesus says this, he says, Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. That's a picture of the church in Antioch right there. That's what they're doing. Whatever we can do, whatever we can put together, however we can send relief, we're going to do it because these are our brothers. This is the church of Jesus Christ, and we want to help. We want to be there. We want to support. We want to do what we can do. And so they do it. James 2 um, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. James 2, uh, verses 14 through 17 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. When you see disaster, when you see destruction, when you see these things happen around you, uh, what do you do? What we can't do as the church, what we can't do, and we can bring this really narrow too. I mean, it can become very small. It doesn't have to be a disaster. I mean, when you see someone in need and we're a follower of Christ, when we see someone in need, what it says, what good is it if we see that person and, and we say we have faith, but we see that person and they're poorly clothed and are lacking in food and our only response is go in peace, be warm, be filled. Good luck. Hey, I'll pray for you. If that's our only response, what good is that? It's what James is saying. What good is that faith if it's not working in some way? If it's not showing itself in some way, what good is that? And that's what the church in, in Antioch is doing here is, man, we hear that there's need, and so we've got to do something. As a body, let's come together. Let's, let's do something. We'll send relief through the, through the elders to the church in Jerusalem. The second thing uh, that the church should do in response to disaster is pray. And I don't mean the, um, what we normally do, <laughs> pray, and, and, and most of you know this. I mean, I'm, how many times someone comes up to you and, and they're like, man, this is what's going on in my life. Um, it's been a horrible week, um, and, and this and this and this. And our response is, well, man, I'm going to pray for you. And we just walk away. And... Like a week later, we'll see the person. We're like, oh, my word. And we don't want to talk to him because then we don't. I didn't pray for you. And so and, and, and it's just this. We just kind of say it as goodbye. 
we've kind of put that, I'm going to pray for you as, well, I'll see you later. And, and that's kind of why we say we're going to pray for you. It's just, I'm, I'm letting you know I'm closing this conversation by saying, I'm going to pray for you. And instead of just getting with that person and praying right then, let me pray for your need. Let me, let me show you, I really do believe God answers prayer. And I'm going to pray for you right now and with you here. I'm going to pray for you because you have a need and we have a God who will hear and listen and answer. And so I'm going to pray for you. I'm talking about that kind of prayer. That when we see disaster and we see those things happening, that we believe God is able to answer prayer. And so we pray for those in need around the world or across the state or wherever it is that we see the issue and we say god you are god and you're in control and i trust you and i'm going to pray to you and i'm going to believe in in james chapter 5 such a great passage um james chapter 5 uh verses 15 uh, 16 sorry verses 16 through 18 Halfway uh, through 16, it says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Do we believe in prayer like that? I mean, do we really believe so that when we see things like this happening in the world, we're just like, I'm going to pray because God is the God who, when Elijah, just like me, a person just like me, prayed, he answered. He listened and he did it. He responded. And, 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 and so I'm going to pray for these people around the world. I'm going to pray for the people in China. I'm going to pray for the people in Myanmar. I'm going to pray for the people who, who have suffered loss because of the tornadoes. I'm going to pray for the people, whatever it is, whatever the disaster is. I'm going to pray, God, that you would come and intervene. And I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to pray for salvation. I'm going to pray that, that you would move and that the church would explode in that area and that you would use this opportunity for your spirit to move and the church to advance and for people to come to know you. I'm going to pray for food for them. I'm going to pray for new life and growth. And I'm going to believe, God, that you're the one that created it and you're the one that's being able to sustain it and you're the one that's able to replenish all of it. I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe. That's how the church should respond. Remember what Jesus said? Number one, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Number two, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Well, who was the neighbor in his story, in in the story of the Good Samaritan? It was the foreigner, right? It was the foreigner who was the neighbor. When they asked, "Who, who, who do I call my neighbor? It was the foreigner who was the neighbor. And so as we think of the people, even around the world, we look at that and we say, that's my neighbor. And so I love them as much as I love myself. And I'm going to pray for them that way. Imagine that. When I pray, I ought to be thinking, that's me. What if I lived in Myanmar? What if I lived there and, and, and this destruction just came? I ought to pray for the people in China. I ought to pray for the people in Myanmar like it happened to me. That's what it would be to pray for them as much as I pray for myself and to love them as much as I love myself, Right? Or imagine if, if, if Alden or Leif or Sammy or Silas lived there. How would I pray for that place if my boys lived there? Little, no food, no clothing, nothing to take care of their medical needs. And here they are stuck. How would I pray for Myanmar? 
How would I pray for China? How would I pray for those places if it was my little boy that was there? That's how we ought to pray for the church and for the nations around the world. When disaster comes, we ought to pray like it's our own kids that are just stuck there. We ought to pray believing God is able to replenish and revive and his spirit is alive and moving and he takes opportunities like this and moves through and the church spreads like wildfire. We ought to pray for that. We ought to believe it. The third thing is is this. We ought to grieve with those that grieve. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep that's a tough verse to apply don't know if you found that maybe that's the first time you've even known of that verse but as a believer in christ this is what i'm called to do i'm called to rejoice with those who rejoice and i'm called to weep with those who weep that's hard to do hard to balance and 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 honestly what how do we do that because if you watch the news I'd be consumed with weeping, right? I mean, just what we talked about this morning, there's a lot of weeping that we're going to be doing. How can we, how can we even possibly engage? How can we impo- possibly get our hearts to understand at a level to where I truly do weep with them? How do I get myself to a point where I'm not just watching a show? where I'm not just turning something else on the TV and it's just another show of people acting. How do I get my heart to engage to where I realize this is for real? People are hurting and people have died and are dying and my heart will grieve and weep with those people who weep. How do I do that? And the answer is number one and number two. Number one, I give. Do you remember what, what Jesus said in Matthew six twenty one? So where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And so if my treasure is in the needy, if my treasure is in those people, if my treasure is there, guess where my heart's going to be? Broken with those people. My heart's going to break with them because my treasure's there with them. and I really care. I really love all of a sudden because that's what happens when we put our treasure in a place. My heart follows that. It shows where my heart is. And so if, my, if I want my heart to break for the people in China, those that are just, just getting their lives crushed, I, I, I know how to do it. Jesus told me how to do it. I give, and my heart follows. I pray for them. Man, if I pray for those people and love them as much as I love myself, and I pray for them like it's my kids, my children that are there, my heart's going to break for those people. And I'm going to grieve with those people. I'm going to weep with those people because my heart will be there with them as I pray and as I love them as much as I love myself. So number one, we give. Number two, we pray. Number three, we grieve. Number four, we repent. Now, what do I mean by that? I think the church has a tendency, not everyone, but there are some in the church that have a tendency when disaster happens that we become the mouthpiece of God. And, and you'll hear things. Well, that happened because of this. God was judging them because they did this or this or this or, or, or they were worse sinners than, than other people. And so God judged them and that, that's the fruit of what they believed. That's the fruit of what they did. And that's just a sign of judgment. 
Well, here's the thing. Jesus responded to that kind of thing. And, 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 and we're going to look at that. But, but first and foremost, that's not our call. And it's not our job. My job is not to be the mouthpiece of God to say who's judged and who's not judged. My job is to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. And I don't say those things when I love. I don't say those types of things and I don't think those things when I really do genuinely love the way that Christ called me to love. But look in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 5. It says, There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans who brought Pilate, or whose, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent you will all likewise, likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. See, the thinking was the same back then. If something bad happened to somebody, remember in John chapter 9, um, the, the blind man that Jesus healed, and, and, and there's that that the the pharisees this mentality and and talking among the pharisees that this guy was blind because he was a sinner and that was a mentality among the pharisees and among others that when things happen like this it was because there were sinners and god is judging them and so this this disaster that jesus even brings up where this tower falls uh, on these 18 people and then what the others brought up to him about the galileans who Pilate took the the blood of these galileans and and mixed it with their sacrifices which to them would be a horrible horrible thing and and so he, he takes these two things and he says do you think that these things happened because they were worse sinners no but unless you repent the same is going to happen to you unless you repent you can look forward to the same thing is what jesus said well, I get from that this, as I th- see things happen like this, my response should be, I better check and see where I'm at. I better look inwardly and not outwardly. I better not judge them. I better judge my own heart. And I better see what's going on in my life, what's going on in my heart. How am I living or not living to follow Christ? How am I living or not living to glorify God in what I do? And in and, and those areas that are not turned over to him, then instantly I ought to be searching and praying and asking God to reveal to me those areas that I've not given to him, those things that I'm continuing to do, and even, even though I know that he said not to do them, and I repent, and I turn from sin, and I turn from those things, and, and my heart and my mind and my life changes to, to that of, God, you are great. And I'm not. And please forgive me and and wash me and clean me. And and thank you for Jesus who died and and paid for my sins so that as I come before you, I can be forgiven. And I repent from the things that I'm not doing that please God, that I'm doing that don't please God. You understand? Number five. What should the church do? um, Or how should the church respond to disaster? Um, Man, if you can, you go. You go if you can. 
There's some people in America and there's some people in churches and there may be some people in this church that you see the things that are happening in China and your heart just wells up and God moves in your heart and you know, I need to be a part of that. I need to be a part of the recovery. I need to be a part of telling. I, need to be, I just need to go and help while I can. I mean, you saw that in America, right? You saw when the destruction happened in America and churches all over the place just sent people to New Orleans, right? And, and, and to all that area and, and to help and, and to give and, and to be a part of that. We ought to do that for the church around the world. We ought to look and do that wherever it is. And, and that God would stir in our hearts to say, you need to be there and you need to do what I told you to do to go into all the world and, and, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I've commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I'm with you always to the end of the age. For some of us, some of us, it may be possible that we look at that and we can say, God's calling me to go. God's telling me to go to that part. And, and certainly, you know, with Myanmar, that's not possible right now. Uh, it's not possible for us to just go and get in, and it's not. But, but in some places, it is possible. It is possible for us to go and be a part of it. And so we go, and we get our hands dirty, and we serve, and we love, and, 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 and we tell them about Christ who gave his life so that they could have forgiveness of sins. And we, we wash them, and we, 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 we help them, and whatever it is. And we care for them. We show Jesus Christ's love. For some, it means that. It means going and being a part of it physically. Sixth is, um, how do we respond? We get ready. We get ready. When you hear of things like this, when you see things like this, we ought to get ready. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about the end. Matthew 24 Verses 6 and 7. And Jesus says, and, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And so when we hear of things like this, and, and for me, I'll be honest, especially when I hear of things like this, I mean, back to back to back day and days back to back all over the world I'll, I'll be totally honest and some of you know this you've either read my blog or i've talked to you this has been so good for my thinking because honestly as i read this passage what i see is there's things like this that are going to happen and jesus says hey get ready these are the beginning this is the beginning of the birth pains and i'll tell you for me it has been wonderful for my thinking about heaven because if I'm tempted, and, and this is, I mean, just as the truth, as I've been tempted these last, this last week and a half, my mind goes to, what if this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24? What if these things are the birth pains? Because I have four kids, and I know what birth pains mean. When there's birth pains that start, not once in, in the four kids that we have had, have birth pains started, and I've said, just let me finish this show. You know, let me just, it's like half over. Let me finish watching. I've invested a little bit in this. So let me just finish watching this. Or let me just finish my meal for crying out loud. Let me eat. No. When birth pains start, 
it's on. I mean, you start calling people and letting them know what's about to take place. You start um, getting things ready. You pack up your house. You get it ready. And, 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 and you get things ready for, for what's next, which is the birth. So that after that, then, then, then you can come home to a home that you're bringing this new baby to. And so you get your house in order and you immediately start the process of getting ready for the birth of what's coming next. You don't just sit there and watch TV. You don't just sit there and, and, and do that. You get ready. You get involved. And, and I just wonder if we respond to things like this. I mean, that's what Jesus said. And we ought to look at this and, and, and respond and, and wonder, is this the beginning? That doesn't mean that we, we pack up our house and we sit in the middle of our living room and just wait and Jesus is coming, He's coming, He's coming. It's not that at all. But we start getting ready mentally. We start getting ready in our hearts. We tell people what they need to know before He comes. We tell people what they need to know before the end. We let people know of what is coming. Man, we believe that God's word is truth and that this could be the beginning of the birth pains that Jesus talked about before the end. Honestly, as we look at that, as we as we read scripture, do we believe that? I mean, do we believe that's even possible? Because the truth is, honestly, the passage we read in Acts was about what? A famine. We talked about that, too, right? So. What do we do with that? There was a famine 2,000 years ago. There was earthquakes 2,000 years ago. There's this stuff 2,000 years ago. So how do we respond? I still think we believe Jesus. And I still think we look at it and we say, what if this is it? This is the beginning of the birth pains and and I'm going to be ready for whatever it is. Number seven. So what do we do? How does the church respond? Number one, uh, we give. Number two, we pray. Number three, we grieve with those that grieve. Number four, we repent. Um, Number five, we go if we can. Number six, we get ready. And number seven, we glorify God in the midst of disaster. We glorify God. How many times, how many times when things like this happen, And people come and they say, how could this happen? If there's a God, how could this happen? And we tend to respond apologetically for the Lord. We tend to to start going down, well, you know, God doesn't do this sort of thing. And or or, you know, don't 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 blame this on God. God wouldn't do this or whatever it is. And we begin to apologize for the Lord. God is glorious He's glorious. Let me, let me read some passages to you. Isaiah 31, verse 2, it says this, He is wise and brings disaster. I'm going to read that, just in case you missed that, okay? God is wise and brings disaster. He does not call back His words. He doesn't apologize. God is wise and he brings disaster, and he doesn't call back his words. Psalm 100, verse 5 says, The Lord is good. Psalm 119, verse 68 says, is a prayer to him. It says, You are good, and you do good. Do we believe that those things can work together? That we look at those verses and say, God is wise, he's all-knowing, 
and he's very, very good. And what he does is good. And so in disaster, in tsunamis, in earthquakes, in cyclones, in tornadoes, in all of those things, God is wise and God is good. And he's glorious. The other thing is I just... I wonder when we got to the point, because if you look in Scripture, in just a couple of verses in Scripture, um, if you look in Scripture, these things are always talked about boasting about God. If you look in in, uh, Job 38, verse 35, it says, Can you send forth lightnings that they may go? Psalm um, 135 Verses 6 and 7 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind from His storehouses. That's not a a critique against the Lord. That's boasting in His greatness. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. They declare it. And these things in Scripture, when we look at, at Him controlling the lightning bolts and the snow and the wind and all of those things, it's all boasting about how great God is, not how bad God is. He's glorious. He's good. He's incredible. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's worthy. That's what it's boasting about. And we've got to stop when we see things like this. We've got to stop apologizing and just stop and declare, man, That boasts about how huge and magnificent and wonderful God is. If you remember in in the book of Job, Job chapter 1, go ahead and turn there. Job chapter 1, verse 21. Job chapter 1, verse 21. If you you don't know the story of Job, man, I encourage you to read it because um, it's a good response. It's long, but it's great. It's great. But if you don't know the story, um, what happens is uh, God gives Satan permission to um, test Job to see if he really is um, this great follower and believer in God. And so these things happen to Job. And in verse, you know, what we're going to read starting with verse 13. It says, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. The Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you his kids killed. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep, the servants, and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and they they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Now, notice two of the disasters that happened there. One was fire from heaven, and one is a great wind that takes out livestock, that takes out his kids. And how does he respond? Job arose and tore his robe 
and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How do we respond? How does the church respond in disaster? We rise up. We stop defending the Lord. We stop apologizing for the Lord. And we look to God and say, He is good. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He does what He wants to do. And He's good in all of it. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your amazing love. And your understanding that is so far above our understanding. Your wisdom that we trust, we believe in. We believe that you are wise. We believe that you are trustworthy. And we believe that you are good. And God, as your church, as the picture, as the representation of the dwelling place of God on this earth, as the temple of God, as the picture of your glory, Would you help us to respond to disaster, to good things, to all things as you would have us? Would you help us to love you above every other thing? And would you help us to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves? God, we know that that is a love that is supernatural. It only comes from you. And so, God, would you draw us to you and help us? Increase our faith. Help us to believe in you, God. Would you move and work in our hearts so that that supernatural love would come out of us, that we would live it, that we would not be selfish with the grace that you have given to us, but that we would demonstrate it as a picture of your wonderful glory. And Lord, would you give us the boldness that in the midst of disaster, in the midst of destruction, that we would stop apologizing, Lord, but that we would rise up and point to you and proclaim how good you are. And that in the midst of a world of disaster and disaster that even you are in control of because you're sovereign, you brought hope. You gave us Jesus. You gave us an opportunity You gave us the possibility. You gave us the hope. You gave us the joy of forgiveness and forever with you. And Lord, I pray that you'd increase our faith in that and that today we would even say in our hearts and with our lips, you are good and what you do is good. And we would worship you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.